0: Well, let's dive in this morning. So the great thing this morning is like Harvest completely stole my message this morning, right? Like in her little like 10 minute sermon right here that I knew all of you were completely moved by, literally like the message this morning is on God's faithfulness. Literally, right? In fact, some of the things she talked about are literally the things that are in my notes. I'm like, ah, right? So it's really, really cool how God does that. It's just so funny. We didn't talk in advance. We, I didn't say, hey, won't you do that faithfulness song number two to really get the message going? Like, we had none of those conversations. It was just like, we're on the same way, the Jesus wavelength. It's fantastic, right? So this morning, just so you know, like, that wasn't planned, but it's awesome because God planned it. That's how he worked. It's really, really cool. And so what that means this morning morning is this, and hear this. God has a message for you of his faithfulness in your life, and that should get you fired up. Like, that God is doing, I had a guy walk up to me before, like, after service, not one of those normal guys that walks up and talks to me and says, hey, man, like, Three times in the last three hours I've been hearing this message on faithfulness. I think God has something for me, right? And I'm like, yes, it's for you and for all of us. And this morning what I want to do is I want to take time and talk about the knowledge of faithfulness, right? Kind of What does it mean? And then I want to go a little bit deeper into that. Now, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago... And I want to listen, I want to encourage you to listen to the podcast. You can just go to Vintage242.com and under the resources we have our sermons. We talked two weeks ago about this word that God has been speaking. Over and over and over and over again. It's been about, I said five last week, but I began to put this stuff together and realized, man, it's like ten different times I've heard people come to me, independent of one another, say, Steve, we've been praying for Vintage. I know this sounds crazy, but I think he wants to share this with you, and they all say the exact same thing. Since October, ten times, right? Ten, twelve times, I lost count. And they say this, God is bringing a wave of his spirit and you need to prepare for it. One person said, it's a tsunami of God's glory that's coming. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds great, right? Because it's more of Jesus. But there's a tsunami, this presence of God. He wants to do something powerful and unique. But here's the thing that's so cool, y'all. You know, we are one of six churches in our network of churches. We had a network pastors meeting this week where we just get together and literally we share what's going on. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. I began sharing this word and people go, oh, my gosh. We've been getting the same thing. People have been coming to us and talking about the wave of God's glory, the tsunami of his presence. We're like, oh my gosh, it's like a Jesus moment, right? But then here's the thing we begin to realize, right? It's like, it's not, it's, an, it's not a vintage thing. It is a church-wide thing. Like, do you know, do you recognize that we're just one little sea of many other little seas to create a much bigger sea church? Right. What God is speaking in this season, so it's not just for a vintage share it with all of your friends who are Christians and are part of churches, is that God is bringing a movement of his spirit that impacts our community, that transforms it by his love so that those who don't know Jesus radically give their lives to Jesus. Those who are sick and are hurting, they receive healing and breakthrough in their life that we believe that God is doing this work and the call to us. It's just two simple words. You can't. You won't forget them. It's preparation and surrender like we're preparing our hearts to receive the movement of God. We said a lot two weeks ago in the same way that you prepare your house for the coming of a house guest. We are preparing our hearts and our minds and our lives for his coming because he wants to move. And the second thing is this. We just surrender like I don't know if we know this or not. But it's always really good to surrender to God's will. I'm just saying, right? And that's what he's talking about. Hey, when I move, just surrender and let me be me in you and through you. And so that's what we've been talking about. Two weeks ago, the last week we celebrated. We're 10 years old. Yay, right? Vintage is 10 years old. And last week, for 45 minutes in this service, people just shared story after story, after story, after story, after story of God's movement in their life. It was so beautiful. It was so powerful, literally in the moment, right? I'm sitting here, and, I'm, and I and I use this world all the time. People make fun of me like, I was undone in the moment, right? I was undone just listening to these stories. I was encouraged, right? So many people's lives have been impacted by their time at Vintage. I love that so many people have felt the love of God. They felt the love of God in community with one another. And other people said, man, I I came to Vintage and I just fell in love with this intimacy of relationship with Jesus. I didn't know existed, but, man, you, you vintage encouraged me to get to that place. We literally heard stories of of God healing people. Literally, little that little girl, remember, like she had this thing going on, right, with her ears. She, and like, we pray for her. She goes back to the doctor the next day, and she's absolutely 100% healed. Literally, in the moment, right? It's like, God, you're doing such incredible things, right? These prophetic words of people speaking over, encouraging and loving on people, right? This is working of miracles. Like we just sat here and went, Oh, God. Like we're, it wasn't for nothing that Randall and I moved here to plant vintage. And I'll just say, that's encouraging, right? That's encouraging that we're not wasting God's time. We're not wasting our time. That it's actually good and it's right. That y'all are loving on one another and God's moving. i like, Yay, this is so, so, so encouraging. But in that, I began to process and think through, all right, God, it's like, that's great. Thank you for what you've done. But as I began to pray, like just really began to pray, like God said, now, let's look to the next 10 years. Like, let's look to the next 10 years. It's always, it's always great to celebrate what happened, right? It's like you know in like your sports team, they win on Saturday and they celebrate for five hours, and what do they immediately do if they're good? They turn to the next game, right? We celebrate what happened over here, right? We celebrate the wins, but God, now we want to look to the future and begin to prepare our hearts for more wins and for greater breakthrough and a greater movement of your spirit. God, we want more of you in. We're not just satisfied with what you did. We want to see you continue to move. And in that, the word that came to me, literally, I'm in I'm in prayer. I'm going to talk about it. it was this word that, that, that Harvest stole this morning. It was faithfulness. Right? It was faithfulness. So literally on like Sunday afternoon, going into Monday in my prayer time, God just began to speak this understanding of his faithfulness. That if I did it here, I will continue to do it over here. His faithfulness. And so I want to dive in this morning an understanding of this reality of God's faithfulness i want to slow down i want to dive into this primary attribute of jesus i want to talk about it i want to engage it i want to begin by looking at psalm 33 1 through 4 just focusing specifically on this last phrase of verse 4 it says this the psalm is coming like here's the deal when you read the book of Psalms, and it says, shout for joy in the Lord. Don't read it this way. Shout for joy in the Lord. There's no like that when you're talking about shouting. Shout! Shout in joy to the Lord. Like, read Scripture as the, the writer intended. Shout for joy in the Lord, who oh, you righteous. Praise befits the uprise. It's good for us to do. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre and instrument. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. I love this one. Like, uh, uh, um, Art is like, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts for the word of the Lord is upright. And I love this. And his work is done in faithfulness. His work basically is saying everything that God does, the work of his hand, the work of his spirit, the movement of all that he does is always done in the context of his faithfulness to humanity and the ones that he loves. So it's fascinating to me in Scripture, since you go to BibleGateway.com and just put in faithfulness, 37 of the 68 times the word faithfulness is used in Scripture, it's specifically used in the book of Psalms. Like that's just interesting to me. Right. Over half of the time, the word describing God's faithfulness is used in Scripture. It's right here when people are writing songs for the whole people of Israel to sing together. Right. They just recognize God's faithfulness. And they want to sing of his faithfulness. And here in this one, this writer saying, listen, listen, all his work, everything he does is in the context of his attribute of faithfulness. He had this understanding. He had this understanding, this rich and deep conviction of God's faithfulness in his life and in the life of the Israelite people. And I believe that God would say to us, this faithfulness is paramount for our understanding. So in understanding, this kind of the knowledge of it. In the Old and, and New Testament, in describing God, Faithfulness, I'm just going to use like six different words here, okay? Words to describe and define the idea of faithfulness. I'm going to give you a picture of it. Faithfulness speaks to the unchangeableness of God. Like he is unchanging in his morality. He's unchanging in his convictions. He's unchanging in his thought life. He's unchanging in anything, right? There is a firmness. A firmness that that defines him. Like, I was thinking like firmness, like, you know, when you have your kids and you have those inflatables and they say, come jump with me. Right. And you go in there and the older you get, the less sturdy you feel because you take a step and it goes, whoop. Vroom, and you figure to fall down, like, oh my gosh, I'm like an idiot trying to walk around in here because I'm so heavy, right? My kids are like, woo, woo, woo. I'm like, ah, oh, right. And, I'm like, vroom, vroom. and then all of a sudden I slide out very awkwardly onto the ground and I stand back up and the ground is firm. I'm like, I'm pretty awesome, walker. Yes, here I go. Watch me walk in firmness, right? No, it's this idea, like there's this firmness of God, who he is. He's like this rock to us. He he is constant. He is constant. He is constantly present. He's constantly available. There's a constancy to him that he never leaves or forsakes. There's a constancy to God. It means God is always reliable. Always reliable. He's always worthy of our trust. There's not a, listen, every, like, there are moments in life that maybe I'm not absolutely trustworthy for you, right? Like, I want to be, but, like, who knows what's going on? You might not be able to fully trust me with something, not because I'm, like, a bad person, but because usually I'm distracted with lots of things going on. Like Randall says, I'm not sure I trust you to take care of those dishes when I leave, right? I want to, but I'm not sure that I can. And, like, that's probably good not to trust me, right? Like, there's that moment, but God is always trustworthy, right? He is always 100% of the time, dependable. 100% of the time, dependable. So here's like a, this like funny but like true description as a question from a guy named Ray Pritchard. He asked, these, he asked this, and just kind of follow along, kind of understanding the reliability, the firmness of God. He says, says this, how many people do you know who do exactly what they say? Now, before you answer, let me rephrase the question. How many people do you know who do exactly what they say every single time? Now, before you answer that, let me rephrase it again. How many people do you know who do exactly what they say every single time and do it with such thoroughness and perfection? You never have to worry about anything they say or do again. Before you answer, let me ask you one more time. How many people do you know who, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how they feel, will always do exactly what they say they will do every single time and do it with the same thoroughness and perfection that you never have to worry about anything they say or do, because you know if they say it, they will definitely do it without fail, without change, and without excuse. And we go, I don't know anybody like that. And God says, you know me. (laughs) Right? Like, this is a description. Like you look at these things and go, this is the faithfulness of God. He is unchanging. He will do exactly what he says every single time with thoroughness and perfection. So you never have to worry about anything he's going to say or do. Because you know if he says it, he will do it. He will do it without fail. There's this beautiful reality of understanding God's faithfulness. Paul understood in 2 Timothy 2, 13. Practical, he says, just one real simple sentence. He says, even if we are faithless... He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He can't deny his own faithfulness. He says, when I marry you, right, I forsake all others who will be faithful to you as long as we're in relationship together. Marriage covenant, right? He says, so I have established faithfulness and I can't deny my faithfulness. So even when you're faithless, when you run away, I literally can't run from you, pull back from you, turn from you because I'm faithful to my decision and promise of faithfulness to you. Like that's, that's wrecking right there. When we allow that to seep into the core of our being, isn't it? He is faithful to his own faithfulness and lit- he literally can't leave as hard as he wants to try maybe, although he never would, right? He literally can't leave. In relationship with us. When God commits to us, he remains faithful to his promise. He is, here's this, he is faithfulness. Like he is faithfulness. In our culture, the essence of something sometimes gives meaning to the words that we use, right? The essence of something gives definition and meaning to the words we use. For example, We use phrases like, man, that's as hard as a rock, right? The essence of a rock gives us a meaning of what hard actually means, right? Or we say something like, I mean, that's hot as fire, right? That's hot as fire. And we know exactly what that means. Why? Because we've touched fire. And when fire gets touched, what? It burns. Why? Because it's super hot, it's hot as fire, right? Or someone, like you're walking and all of a sudden your foot just goes into a rock. And what happens? You go, ouch, why? Because it doesn't go whoop, it goes too, and just nails. You're like, oh my gosh, oh my toe, right? Hard as a rock, something in our world, right? We understand this. And so the idea and the essence of something, giving definition, we say, hard as the rock, hot as fire, and faithful as God. Faithful as God. He is the definition of a faithfulness. He can't not be something. He is it. He is faithfulness. God is faithfulness. Now, here's the thing. As we talk about this, it's important that the knowledge of this word is embraced by us. Right? Let's say, for example, if we press pause and I said, hey, guys, pop quiz, pull out your pen and your paper. I'm going to give you four questions. Let's see if we can get 100 on what I just said for the last 15 minutes. And I were to ask you like like softball throwing up, not like fast pitch softball, like just like lobbing up the old school slow pitch, right? Like go ahead, and there you're gonna give you four easy questions, four easy questions from my first fifteen minutes. You would probably all get a hundred, right? You'd probably all get a hundred. You'd go, yeah, yeah, I understand God's faithfulness. Yeah, 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 I understand it. Right, I get it. I understand. I see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally understand. But what I've come to realize, and this happened to me this week, I'm going tell you a story at the end, is all of a sudden there's a moment where I go from understanding with knowledge in my head what faithfulness means to it like seeping into my heart, into my emotions, into the fullness of my body. So all of a sudden I now holistically understand what it means to have the faithfulness of God. I'll put this into an example that we all understand as parents. You see, when Nana Catherine and Sarah were born, like I could have told you what a father's heart of love looked like. Like I had the definition. I'd read some books. I'd heard people talk about it, right? Like I could have passed a pop quiz on the father heart, what that looks like, and how it feels, right? I could have done fantastic. I'd have been awesome explaining it to you. I'm a communicator. Understand these things. I could have ex- completely given you understanding and explanation of what a father's heart looked like. I understood it, but you know what happens, don't you? Those kids come out. And all of a sudden, man, it's like something from here goes to here. And you're like, I had no idea what a father's heart was until it came alive. And I find myself laughing and crying and running and just kneeling down in praise and honor and glory to the Father. Forgive me. Two daughters that I love at the very, very core of my being. I love them here. And I love them. I just want really to ooze out. Like, like stop touching me, Dad, so much. Right? You're just putting your hand on my shoulder and telling me that. Just stop telling me that. Just like give me space, I'm like I just want to love on you, right? It's like that's just what I feel every day for both Anna, Catherine, and Sarah. It's here and it's here. You know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody say, right? Thank you, my gosh. You're like, man, eh, right? It's like, man, you get it. You feel it with the very core of your being. You know it and you feel it. Let's just be honest. When every attribute of God goes from here and to here, all of a sudden something changes. And so in this moment right here, like I read Psalm 37, this is the New King James Version, because I like this, what he says right here, he says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Man, talk about a phrase that you should meditate on for a minute this week? Like, this is what I love to do. Just sit down with the Lord for 15 minutes. Put your, like, Jesus is calling book over here. Then you even take your Bible and just put it closer, right? Put it close, right? Hold on to it, right? But just say, God, God, what does it mean to feed on your faithfulness? Could you imagine what would happen if you just said, God, awaken in me what it means to feed on this faithfulness? Mm, mm, understanding of faithfulness. That God, you're unchanging. That you are reliable and trustworthy at all times. You will always do what you say you do with thoroughness and perfection every time because you can't not do it because it's just who you are. God is faithful. What would you do if you begin to feed on that reality in the context of your hardships? In the context of your oppression, in the context of your fears, in the context of your worries and your anxieties, what would begin to happen inside of you, begin to feed on the faithfulness of God that He is who He says all the time, every time and everything? Do you think we might change? Man, how do we partake of and grow from just here to here and begin to feed on it? Number one, here's the thing, let me say this real quick. This is what I did this week. There are other ways to partake of this. There are other ways to grow into this. I'm just telling you, giving like what I did this week to feed on His faithfulness and allow it to come alive inside of me. All right? These are two things that I've done. You can do other things, but you can also adopt these two. Here we go. Number one, in your life, always tell God's stories. In your life, always tell God's stories. Last week, we told stories. Of God's faithfulness. We just sat here, right? Told stories of lonely people. Suicidal people being put into family and coming alive. We told stories of broken hearts being mended. Of broken bodies being healed. Of people hearing God's voice and it changing their lives. Hear this. This is in bold. I wrote it in bold. Hearing stories of God's movement always awakens our heart to his faithfulness. Hearing stories of God's movement always awakens our heart to his faithfulness. What do you think the Israelites in the Old Testament used to do at night? They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have their like iPads and their computers to get this, this a break. They didn't have like Netflix to go veg on and watch an entire series, right? They didn't have that. You know what they had? They had one another and they had stories. Like every story that's written in scripture, they would just sit around and tell those stories every night. Every night, patriarch dad would just gather the entire family around, extended family. They'd bring in some of their favorite animals probably, who knows, because kids love animals, right? They'd just bring them all in and say, all right, what story do you want to hear tonight? Dad, 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 hey, oh my gosh. Tell us the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just one more time, God and the dad and the fiery purse. Oh, that's a good one. It's a good one. Let's tell it. And they would sit around and tell the stories of God. They would tell the stories of the Israelites coming to the Red Sea and God going whoo, and parting the Red Sea, right? They would tell the story, right, of, of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Just cry a little louder. Just cry a little louder. I'm sure the gods come probably asleep. Ha <laughs> ha, right? And then fire comes down from heaven. Oh, that's my favorite part of the story. I know, me too, right? Tell the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Oh my gosh, that's such a good one. Dad, just tell it again and again and again. Why? Because in the midst of their life, In the midst of their oppression, in the midst of their hardship, in the midst of their insecurity, their worries, their doubts, and their fears, they would tell stories again and again and again and again to remind them God was faithful here. He's unchanging, so he will absolutely 100% be faithful here. That's to get you fired up. Because when you tell the stories of God, it fills you with An understanding of God's faithfulness that caused it to come alive. And here's the deal. Like, do you know why they wrote stories down in the Bible? Because sometimes they might forget them. Right? And that's why you have to write down your stories. Take time and write down your stories. Because I don't know about you, but there are stories that happened when I was 18 of God's movement that, to be honest with you, I've forgotten. But what if I had just written them all down? And I'm like, God, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to go to the book. Not the good book, but I'm going to the Steve book, right? I'm going to open it up, the Stephen God book, right? And that's Steve and God, not Steve and God, right? No, Steve and God, right? And I begin to tell oh my gosh, I forgot about that. I forgot about this moment. Oh my gosh, and what happens when I read? Oh my gosh, he was so good. He was so, he was so good, so he doesn't change. So I guess he still is so good. We're always telling the stories of God. Always. Listen. When you sit down to hang out with people, take five minutes and just go tell a God story. I know it's kind of weird sometimes. Just go tell one God story and then dive into what we want to talk about. Like, build your faith in the sense of, like, understanding God's faithfulness by telling stories. And the second thing is this, and this is kind of a phrase I made up, and you can use it or you can just make up your own better one. I just put connected prayer. Connected prayer. Like, prayer where I know and feel as if I'm connected with God. So, connected prayer. Listen, I have the conviction here that our greatest gift in the world is our line of communication with Jesus. Like our greatest gift in the world is our open, never-ending line of communication with Jesus, what we call our life of prayer. Our life of prayer, communicating with Jesus, and I don't mean like, listen, I don't mean those boring prayer meetings. I don't mean those long-winded oratories from people who just like to hear their own language and their own vocabulary, right? I don't mean these long lists of prayer requests in a journal that we just run through for like, Jesus, I pray for Aunt Aunt Joan. I pray for, that, that, that. I pray for, it. like I'm just going through, like, oh my gosh, that was so stressful. Hope I didn't forget anything. My gosh, God, if have forgot something. Am we gonna die and go to hell? Oh my gosh, right now it's like, oh, we get so stressed. Out. Sometimes my favorite thing in the prayer journal is just go, Jesus, you know. Just take care of it, right? Just take care of it. No, in that the connected prayer is this. God, there's all this stuff going on, but I know this. I just need to be reminded. I just need to connect with you. I just need to hear your voice. Because when I hear your voice, everything's better. Jesus, I think it's my prayer journal. I give you prayer requests. I give you the hardships. Like, God, I just I just lean in, God, because I want to connect. I want to connect. I want to know your joy. I want to know your peace. I want to know your faithfulness. I want to know your power. I want to know your goodness. God, I want to know your conviction. I want to know your conviction. Jesus, I want to connect and know in that I want to be known. There's this connected prayer, this place that's so deep and rich. We actually see it again in one of the Psalms. This guy named Ethan the Ezraite. He was a contemporary of David, a contemporary of Solomon. Scripture tells you like second in wisdom to Solomon, which means he's pretty wise, right? So Psalm 89 Just going to read verses 1 through 5. We've been to see this happen in this guy's life. It's really cool. It says, I will sing the steadfast love of the Lord. Forever with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness, there's that word, to all generations. We're saying, listen, I'm going to just tell everybody, I'm going to sing about your steadfast love, right? I'm going to let, with my mouth, I'm going to let everybody know of your faithfulness to every single generation, right? For I said, like when I was in prayer, I was in this connected prayer with you and I said, steadfast love, this never-ending love will be built up forever in the heavens You will establish your faithfulness. He's just talking about God's goodness, God's faithfulness. And then you have said, God said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever.'" And build your throne for all generations. Selah. To press pause. It's a moment to meditate on what's just been said. A goodness of God. Verse 5. Now let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. I love this because in this moment, here is Ethan, the Ezraite, coming alongside. And he's just connecting with God saying, God, I just see your steadfast love. You are so good and you are so faithful. And then into the moment, God spoke. And says, in our language, New Testament language, I'm going to bring a redeemer in the line of David. We would say we know him today as Jesus, and he will set himself up as Lord over all generations. That's how we would interpret this from Old Testament to New Testament, right? Guess what? Ethan didn't go, well, when that happens, God, I will let everyone know that you're faithful. God, when you finally bring that moment, I will share of your faithfulness. No, he said, God... I know your faithfulness here, but I just experienced your spoken word in the moment, and you were so true to it, God, that I'm going to worship you and proclaim your faithfulness in the moment now, and then believe God, that if you said something, you will do it in history, right? You will do it in time, but I have breakthrough now, in the moment of our wondering, in the moment of a lack of clarity of who it is, I have clarity because you've spoken it to be true, I know it's true, so I will land on it as truth, and I will let Everyone know that you are faithful because I've connected with you in prayer. Like have you ever had that moment, like something's going on, you're overwhelmed, and you begin to pray, and God speaks into your moment. He speaks what's coming. He speaks breakthrough. He speaks peace. You and in that moment you have such conviction. You know, God, my answer has not come, but I'm at peace because you have spoken. Just this week, listen, the last two weeks for me, to be honest with you, has been a little overwhelming, right? We go to, listen, we went out, really, I got away for a week. I told you, went to the beach. We hung out, had our Jesus time in the morning, and then our, like, our time together in the afternoons. It was a beautiful, beautiful retreat for us. And then we had family time. We went to Mammoth Lakes, right next door to Yosemite State Park out in California. Man, it was awesome, right? Like, I intentionally put my phone down. I didn't think about y'all at all, right? I thought about my kids. I thought about my wife. I thought about my friends. I thought about the beauty of God's career creation again and again and again, right? Having a really, really great time. We get back. And then within the next last two weeks, I've gotten five phone calls from marriages that are disintegrating. Five. And in that, I was like, God, thank you for the job that you've given me. I get to be one of the ones who comes alongside and helps people. But God, this is overwhelming, And it's overwhelming multiply, right? It's it's overwhelming, like, emotionally for me. But it's also, Romans, I just recognize the enemy is moving in power to destroy a covenant that he created for all time. What God puts together, man should not separate, Mark chapter 10. Like, it's a covenant of God. It's a beautiful and rich and powerful and amazing thing, right? There's no condemnation for those of you who've been divorced. I'm just saying, right, the heartbeat of God is he's like, I love the covenant that I've created. And so I'm sitting here feeling the weight of this tension. I'm watching as the enemy has come to steal and to kill and destroy and to create miscommunication and lack of communication and separation and selfishness and all of these pieces that are wrapped up in human beings. And I feel, like I literally feel the weight of this every day. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm just saying, this is where I was. And so Tuesday, Tuesday I go to the Lord. Have you heard this with the Lord? Oh, you walk in like, ugh, like Jesus. Ugh, and you throw it off. Like you don't have any words to say because you just know. you like, you know, right? It's like, the, mm, you know, I'm sorry. It's all I got, right? And I come to the Lord, and I just release. God, I can't even put words. I'm just like, I just need to connect. I just need to connect. And in the moment, y'all, I saw a picture. I say I saw and I experienced a picture in my head. Like I, I saw two lines. I saw two lines. And there was a road in between. I recognize. Just give me, just give me grace on language that I'm using. I saw one of them like a like a demonic presence. Like it was the it was the enemy. It was these representatives of 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 the enemy, right, who just hates us and hates Jesus. I saw them, right. You know, it's like it was just ah, right. And then I saw those who love Jesus. They were all kind of there together. It was really odd. And all of a sudden, like I know this sounds crazy, I saw God start walking down the road. When I say saw, like I saw it here, I saw it with my whole being, like, and all of a sudden I saw the majesty. And the glory and the power and the magnificence of God and the very first people to bow was the enemy. And the enemy did not bow because they wanted to. They bowed because they could not stand under the weight of God's glory and God's majesty and God's presence. is that they melted in the presence of God with disdain on their face and just melted down, just shuddering in the presence of God. And then I watched as those who Love Jesus. I literally watch as they just with great reverence and great joy bowed before the Lord, like a flower leans towards the sun. I literally saw them go, "Oh, I just want to get closer. But I got to bow." I was like, oh, He's just so good. He's so kind. And in the moment, do you know what happened to all? Like I experienced it here, and I experienced it like Anna, Catherine, and Sarah being my children. And I was like, "Oh God, why do I worry?" You are the powerful, majestic, and holy one. God, you are the one who controls all things. God, you are Lord. I don't have to be. Thank you. I literally in the moment go, this is all good. Because you're in control, right? God, you are powerful. I literally, I was like, God, I'm, we're good. Like this hasn't had breakthrough yet, right? We're still waiting for this over here. But God spoke in at the moment, Steve, I'm I'm the man. Right? I'm the man. I got it. I'm Lord. I'm like, Jesus, thank you. I can just I can like I can you can increase, right? I can decrease. Oh, it's not on me, it's not my responsibility, God. I have a role to play, right? As we all do. But it's not, God, it's your responsibility. It's your weight to carry. It's your burden. And so in this, right, there was a connection in prayer, a knowledge of Jesus, of his power and his glory. And I'm like, ah. now, God, we've got to run this race still. I'm going to run it as if to win it, Lord, so help me. I've been super tired, God, but now, God, to just sense your presence. We can run. Where do you want to go? I just got so lost in that. Where are we? Here we go. Man, so good. Here's what I want to do and invite you this week. It's a simple invitation. Start telling God's stories. Husband and wife, would you just start reminding one another of God's stories in your marriage? Remind yourself of the stories of God's goodness in the life of your children. Tell the stories of God's love and affection. Write them down. Tell the stories of healing. Remind yourself of like, my child almost died, but then something happened. I mean, the doctors told us. Sarah didn't exist anymore in her womb. We prayed and God moved. We tell these stories to remind us of God's faithfulness. Because when we tell these stories, we remember God is good. And if he's good here, he is constant and good forever. I can trust him wholeheartedly. And then... Stop doing lame prayer. Man, there's nothing. you got to repent a bad prayer, y'all. It's like, man, it's so boring sometimes. Don't let it be boring. Like, don't let it be. Just make it awesome. How do you make it awesome? You say, Jesus, I just want to connect with you. You do you. Go ahead, right? And let him be him. Let him do his thing. Like with my best friends, like literally, I mean, I, my, my schedule for the next two weeks is like slap full, literally, right? But I've got people I want to connect with. And so I look at my calendar last night. I'm like, God, these people are priority. I'm going to set aside time and pray they can make that work because I want to be with them. Do that with Jesus. You're not doing it because you have to. You're doing because you get to connect with him. Don't let prayer be some holy, righteous, religious duty. That's boring. That's not Jesus. Connect with him. If you want help, show up on Tuesday morning at 730 and sit next to Ingrid. Ingrid, stand up real quick. Just stand up. That's embarrassing, right? No. There she is, right? Turn around. She looks so pretty today, right? Listen. Sit by her. I sit. I'm like, when she starts praying, I'm like this, it's closer like this, right? She's like, why are you touching me? I don't know, right? It's like, <laughs> like, get with people who know how to pray and let them just like bleed the love of Jesus all over you until you're changed by it. Jim Adcock sat right here where Todd Fuller was this morning. For two years, Jim Adcock, he'll tell you, I had no idea how to pray, Steve. So I just came to prayer on Tuesday morning. And when I got done for two years after his job shifted and changed, he said, I know how to pray now. Like, get with people who can just teach you. It's powerful. If you know someone who knows how to connect in prayer, then let them sit with you and teach you. Just humble yourself and learn and be changed by it. It's so good. Because you awaken, and here's the beautiful thing, this is this, now will end right here, I promise I'm done. When you do that, you don't just learn about the attribute of faithfulness. You learn about the attributes of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, right? All of these big words, right, the theology, you learn about all of them, and it changes you. Let's pray. Lord, I sense you're stirring something. People are literally saying in their minds, Jesus, I just sense it. Lord, you're, they're literally saying, oh my God, something's stirring. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I pray, Jesus, that you would just tell them what to do. Whether it's to worship, whether it's just to bow, whether it's just to sit at your feet and listen, whether it's to connect with someone, whether it's to receive prayer, take communion. I pray, Father, that people wouldn't just feel the energy to do something and go, ah, and just leave and not do anything. Lord, I pray that you would meet them. I pray that you would speak to them. I pray you'd open up their ears to hear, their eyes to see, and they'd be changed by you this morning. I pray you'd take them to places they didn't even know were available in you. Father, you are an endless number of rooms that we get to explore. I just pray, Jesus, you'd help us to explore the fullness of who you are and be changed, God. I just confess on behalf of all of us, we can't live without you. And Jesus, I pray that you would convict us in those areas where we are trying. So come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. Amen. Alright, so this is how we end at Vintage on Sundays. We have our offering baskets here, a little giving box in the back, and a giving kiosk on an iPad outside. If that's where you are this morning, you seem to worship through your tithes and offerings. Boom, there you go. Communion is available on both sides every Sunday. Why? Because we, don't just, we want to remember the power of God's cross and resurrection, knowing that if it was true for us then to bring salvation, it's true for us then to continue to save us every day, right? And we have ministry teams that will be available on both sides. And they just want to pray for you about anything going on in your life at all. All right. You respond to the Lord leads. I'll come back up here in about five minutes and I will close this out. But I invite you to that moment of connection and maybe even the beginning to telling of some of those stories in your life.